Well, we're going to continue in our message series in the book of Daniel. If you've got a Bible with you, I invite you to find that. We're going to be in Daniel chapter 5 today. Uh, if you don't own a, like a regular paper Bible, I'd be happy to help you, uh, give you some instruction or guidance how to choose a good Bible. You can download on the app, maybe you've got it on your Kindle. If you're using your phone today, please make sure it's on silent uh, for the message. And then uh, we're going to be in Daniel chapter 5. We also always make Bibles available at the Connection Center. You can pick those up. Speaking of the Connection Center, the packets for the upcoming annual business meeting are available at the Connection Center. I invite you to take one per family, please. Look forward to seeing you back here tonight for team night as we teach. Encourage, appreciate, and motivate. If you volunteer in any capacity, would love to have you here. Well, I want to show you a picture here. You might recognize this guy, a uh, homeless guy. Um, that is Arnold. Arnold Schwarzenegger. And so Arnold tells a story about uh, when he was governor, there was a hotel that put up a, a statue, or, you know, a sculpture, I guess is what the right word of himself. And, and they'd said, hey, anytime you, you're in town, you, we always have a room for you. Come on, come on by. And he tells the story of, of after he was no longer governor going there. And they said, oh, I, I'm sorry, we don't, we don't have a spot. And he, he says this. He says, when I was in an important position, they always complimented me. And when I lost the position, they forgot about me and did not keep their promise. Do not trust your position or the amount of money you have, nor your power, nor your intelligence. It will not last. And uh, he did this sort of as a publicity stunt. To, he, he really doesn't have to sleep on the ground, but it's meant to kind of make the point. See, you and I, we're not always recognized for what we've achieved or the position that we hold. We work hard to accomplish something or, or maybe we know we've got some talent or something to offer and, and yet others just completely ignore us. Or they, worse than that, they take credit for something we did, something we achieved. Or perhaps you had a position of influence at some point or you had a position of authority and, and now nobody wants to hear about it because you've been replaced, you've been forgotten. Parents of teens know all about this. You tell your kid something a thousand times and they just completely ignore you. It means nothing. And then the really cool parents of their friend tell them the same thing or like, wow, this is amazing. So cool. Like, I think that's what I've been saying. Right? In Daniel 5, we're going to discover that, that Daniel, having previously been promoted to one of the highest positions in government, had fallen into total obscurity uh, in, this, in the next administrations. And yet his character, his love, his integrity, his compassion, his courage, those things never faltered for him, for Daniel. And you just have to love this steady faithfulness that he, he had. Because he didn't cling to a position and he didn't cling to possessions. He clung to the Lord God Almighty. He clung to his relationship with God. And so in Daniel 5, we're jumping about 30 or so years ahead from chapter 4. It makes a big jump in time. Uh, And so uh, um, I'll explain more about that in a moment. And this is the final night of the Babylonian Empire. And this is all confirmed through, uh, you know, secular uh, historical sources. And one of the things we've been discovering all through this book is that God is sovereign. He's king over all nations and all kingdoms. Uh, his sovereignty will not be mocked. And uh, we, we can fuss and we can panic 
and we can worry and wring our hands about who's in the Oval Office or who should be elected or who shouldn't be elected or any of those things. But ultimately, God governs national and global affairs. And uh, God often will use even ungodly people to accomplish His work, such as the kings of Babylon. And and even with them, however, God will not be mocked even by those He is He allows to govern. So if you've got your Bible opening, I'm going to try to get through this. Um, there's really no other way other than just to, to read. There's 31 verses, so I invite you to remain seated as we get into Daniel 5. It begins this way. It says, Many years later, after his episodes with Nebuchadnezzar, many years later, King Belshazzar gave a great feast for a thousand of his nobles and he drank wine with them. Let me just explain really quickly. Belshazzar was uh, the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar. He technically was not the king. He was a regent for his father. But his father liked to travel around the kingdom, so he was kind of placed in charge of Babylon in the king's absence. So he's called the king, but he's really number, the number two guy. Okay, verse 2. When Belshazzar was drinking the wine, he gave orders to bring in the gold and silver cups that his predecessor, Nebuchadnezzar, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem. He wanted to drink from them with his nobles, his wives, and his concubines. So they brought these gold cups taken from the temple, this house of God in Jerusalem. And the king and his nobles, his wives, and his concubines drank from them. These are the sacred objects of God. And this is this wild party that, that they're bringing these into. Verse 4, while they drank from, the, from them, they praised their idols made of gold, silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Suddenly, they saw the fingers of a human hand writing on the plaster wall of the king's palace near the lampstand. The king himself saw the hand as it wrote, and his face turned pale with fright. His knees knocked together in fear, and his legs gave way beneath him. Verse 7, the king shouted for the enchanters, astrologers, fortune tellers to be brought before him. And he said to these wise men of Babylon, whoever can read this writing and tell me what it means will be dressed in purple robes of royal honor and he will have a gold chain placed around his neck. He will become the third highest ruler in the kingdom. But when the king's wise men had come in, none of them could read the writing or tell him what it meant. So the king grew even more alarmed and his face turned pale and his nobles too were shaken. Verse 10, but when the queen mother heard what was happening, she hurried to the banquet hall and she said to Belshazzar, long live the king. Don't be so pale and frightened. There's a man in your kingdom who has within him the spirit of the holy gods. During Nebuchadnezzar's reign, this man was found to have insight, understanding and wisdom like that of the gods. Your predecessor, the king, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, made him chief over all the magicians, enchanters, astrologers and fortune tellers of Babylon. This man, Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar, has exceptional ability and is filled with divine knowledge and understanding. He can interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve difficult problems. Call for Daniel, and he'll tell you what the writing means. Verse 13, so Daniel was brought in before the king. The king asked him, are you, Daniel, one of the exiles brought from Judah by my predecessor, King Nebuchadnezzar? Verse 14, I have heard, okay, this is important, I've heard that you have the spirit of the gods within you, that you're filled with insight, understanding, and wisdom. My wise men and enchanters have tried to read the words on the wall and, and tell me their meaning, but they can't do it. I'm told that you can give interpretations and solve difficult problems. If you can read these words and tell me their meaning, same thing, you'll be clothed in purple robes, etc. Daniel, verse 17, Daniel answered the king, keep your gifts or give them to someone else, but I will tell you what the writing means. Your majesty, the most high uh, God, gave sovereignty, majesty, glory, and honor to your predecessor, 
Nebuchadnezzar, and he made him so great that people of all races and nations and languages trembled before him. He killed those he wanted to kill and spared those he wanted to spare. He honored those he wanted to honor and disgrace those he wanted to disgrace. But when his heart and mind were puffed up with arrogance, he was brought down from his royal throne and stripped of his glory. He was driven from human society and he was given the mind of a wild animal and he lived among the wild donkeys. He ate grass like a cow. Anybody remember what that's called? Boanthropy. Okay, we talked about that last week. He was driven from human society and uh, he ate grass like a cow and he was drenched with the dew of heaven until until he learned the most high God rules over the kingdoms of the world and appoints anyone he decrees to rule over them. Verse 22, you're his successor, Belshazzar, and you knew all this, and yet you have not humbled yourself, for you've proudly defied the Lord of heaven. You've had these cups from the temple brought before you. You and your nobles and wives and concubines have been drinking from them. Uh, You have not honored the God who gives you breath and life and controls your destiny. So God has sent this message, his hand to write this message. Verse 25. This is the message that was written. Mene, mene, tekel parson. And this is what these words mean. Mene means numbered. God has numbered the days of your reign and has brought it to an end. Tekel means weighed. You have been weighed on the balances and have not measured up. Verse 28. Parson means divided. Your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and Persians. And at Belshazzar's command, Daniel was dressed in purple robes. A gold chain hung around his neck. He was proclaimed the third highest ruler in the kingdom. And that very night, Belshazzar, the Babylonian king, was killed. And Darius the Mede took over the kingdom at the age of 62. Wow. The Babylonians knew that their kingdom was unraveling. They'd been in a battle with the Persians. They they had lost a battle elsewhere. The Persians had now... uh, sieged Babylon. It said that they had something like 20 years of, of food supply stocked up. So they figured, well, we can withstand this. And uh, the historian Herodotus recorded what happened. So the Persian army could not figure out how to take the city of Babylon. It was just such a fortress. So they, they came up with a plan they, this is uh, with a massive engineering feat, the original Corps of Army Engineers, um, diverted the Euphrates River. And in fact, Stuart, if you've got that picture, this is a, just a model of what Babylon would have looked like. They diverted the Euphrates River away from the city. And what happens? The water drops. The army enters at the water gates up the banks of the river. And in they go and they take the city. And it's recorded in detail. It's an amazing thing. There's one more picture here. Um, this is, thanks to Google, um, you know, the setting today. Um, so what a dramatic story. And we have in Scripture, this is happening the night that this all takes place. Well, I want to grab some insights from Daniel's life on what to do when you're like Daniel was, mistreated or overlooked or forgotten or ignored or misunderstood or maligned or dismissed or displaced or replaced, what do you do? How do you handle that? Whatever position you had and you don't have now, it doesn't matter. You have something to contribute just as Daniel did. So this king, uh, I already explained who he was, Belshazzar, and uh, he had just had forgotten. I mean, as a grandson of, of the Nebuchadnezzar, he just forgotten about Daniel. He didn't really know. 
And if you're over 60 or 70, you may know what it means to be replaced or even forgotten. If you're retired and if you've ever visited your old workplace, isn't it funny how nobody knows who you are? Like, I, 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 I used to have that office. And who are you? Security, right? If you're under 40, brace yourself. Your turn's coming. It happens. But someone remembered Daniel, the queen mother. It would have either been Nebuchadnezzar's widow or, or possibly Nebuchadnezzar's daughter-in-law. But she remembered. Years had passed. Daniel, in obscurity, forgotten, overlooked, ignored. And she remembers him. And there's a lesson in this for us. And it's this, that a good reputation holds its value. A good reputation holds its value. You, things like, even when she tells, you know, Belshazzar about it, he, he says, oh, I've heard about and I've been told about you, Daniel. You see that in those verses. When you're in the world of building your education and building your career and, 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 and you know, kind of developing your life, it's really tempting to kind of push yourself. We talked about this last week even, kind of pushing yourself forward, getting noticed and staying noticed. And uh, But the, the reality is you don't need fame. You need a reputation. And there's a difference. A fame is fleeting, but a good reputation has lasting value. And uh, you, you do that, the best way to do that is by building people up. As you build up people, your reputation comes along with it. It takes time, it takes character, it takes compassion, dedication. And we all know that a good reputation can be lost in a moment, can be destroyed in a single transaction or a tantrum meltdown or a thoughtless email or, you know, a decision to be unfaithful to your spouse. All those things can, can cause your reputation to crumble. Not always, but it does happen. But you want to build your reputation, not your fame. Uh, the best moment is when someone says, hey, I, I heard about the way you helped your coworker, or hey, I heard about things, you know, things are going well in your classroom, or hey, I heard that, that you're the person to ask for help on math. Th- th- those, those are reputation phrases, statements. This last June, I was asked to speak at a fundraising event for MB Mission, Mennonite Brethren Mission, and when I got there, to be honest, it was a very uninspired and uninspiring crowd. A lot fewer people there than I than I'd expected would be there, than the organizers expected, and I'd invested time and expense to be there, and I'd really try to listen to the Lord what would be good to share. And I had this moment of decision. I thought I can just sort of mail this in, and nobody's going to care, or I can give my best in this moment. And a couple months later, someone who wasn't there i bumped into and they said hey i heard you really knocked it out of the park at that fundraiser oh i'm glad i made the effort our reputation is built in those kinds of ways without in without you're even intending to whether we're conscious of it or not and it's mostly in how we treat other people so don't worry about whether or not people notice you or remember what you accomplished good reputation has lasting value now what do you do when someone else takes credit for something that you did 
If you're a student, you know about this, you know, like when you have a class project, you got this group and you're working on the project. And honestly, if you're somebody here at this church, I know you, you did the best work and most of it already. And you're like, you really poured your all into it. And then everyone else gets credit for it. And that feels kind of unfair, doesn't it? Especially the person who did nothing that feels kind of makes a little mad to a word to you teachers. Really, can you lay off the group projects? <laughs> I tell you. Anyway, that's just my personal pet peeve, but I'm getting over it. I'm getting over it slowly. If we care about the right things, it actually doesn't matter, right? If you're taking notes this morning, you could write it down this way. Don't worry who gets the credit. Don't worry who gets the credit. I, I, I've shared with you before our experience as a family. We were... Uh, planning a church and God had just exceeded everybody's expectations. It was honestly, it was great fun. It was exhausting, but it was great fun. There were lots of people who worked very, very hard and uh, including Becky and me and even our sons who were very young at the time, but we made them work too. And uh, here's the best part of it all. When I visit that church now, nobody knows who I am. I absolutely love that because it's a great church and I don't need to be noticed or have fame or be recognized in any way. People don't know, you know, what we've done in the past. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who gets the credit. And Daniel was offered these rewards, you know, nice robes. I mean, it's like, it's super blingy, like, like a hip hop guy, purple robes and gold chains. Like the original, like a big letter D just hanging around his chest, right? I mean, that's Daniel. That's, that's, that's the image I want you to have of this guy. And, um, super blingy. And he's like, nah, you don't, you don't have to give that to me. All he had to do was interpret the writing on the wall. And maybe he knew that the offer was a hollow gesture given the imminent demise of Babylon, but, you know, and he still got the rewards in the end. If he had said, yeah, I'll take all that. People could have just said, down, you are the man. I know. You know, I am pretty good at this, uh, you know, dreams and interpreting stuff. I'm, you know, I think I should, uh, let's just start charging for that. I need to monetize this skill. You know, he could have done all that. But instead he recognized that it was God at work in his life. And it's, it's really the temptation to tune into radio station WIIFM. Have you ever listened to that one? What's in it for me? Radio. We've, we've all done that. Let's be honest. Right? I, I, I've caught myself sometimes doing something menial. You know, you pick up trash or you're pushing the vacuum cleaner. You're just hoping that at least somebody will notice just what a servant I am. None of you have probably ever done this. Never has that fleeting moment of like, I hope somebody recognizes just how important I am as they pick up this trash. Just walking over to the trash can over here. Oh, nobody saw. Right? That's just a little bit of that ego. I, I'm glad that none of you have that issue. It's about who gets the credit. Maybe we want to say when, when someone else gets the pat on the back. And we want to say, hey, that was my suggestion. Hey, that, that was my idea. Hey, that was my financial contribution. Hey, this isn't fair. Like, I did that. I, I know you did. God knows what you did. It doesn't matter who gets the credit. 
Because that wasn't Daniel's M.O. at all. It can't be ours. See, it just doesn't matter. Recognition is not that important. It should be enough that we know we helped. We cared, even if nobody noticed. Now, the flip side of that is we all need to be the people that are noticing and encouraging when we catch people doing stuff that's right and good and helpful. We want to be those people that are building people up. We want to be able to say, hey, I love how you did that. That's one of the reasons we're doing team night tonight. We, we want, you, you got to come, if nothing else, for the pineapple awards. Um, you know, we want to recognize what people are, are, are doing and the way it's benefiting. But honestly, when you're serving for the purpose of showing God's love, it doesn't matter who gets the credit. And that's key. So you got Daniel. He lives humbly. He doesn't worry about self-promotion. He's quiet, but should the opportunity arise, and it does, Daniel teaches us to speak the truth when asked or when invited. Speak the truth when asked or invited to do so. There are ways to speak the truth that are more helpful um, than some other ways. I'm slowly learning that unsolicited advice is usually unappreciated advice. Um, That takes time to, to learn that. Or if you speak the truth and you've got a little bit of a chip on your shoulder or you've got a, you know, an agenda or you've got some condemnation attached to it, that doesn't help. It's not, it's not good. It's not edifying. Your motive and how you speak the truth matters. Is it to help others or is it to help yourself? You know, that, that, that line that people use, that little phrase, just saying, you know, you, uh, you, you, you could have done this over here. Just saying. In other words, I can be as mean as I want and I can back it off by saying, just saying. Right? Don't do that. We don't need to do that. We want to speak in ways that are helpful and a blessing to others, not just for ourselves. And uh, so you've got Daniel here. He says his piece, but he's got the permission to do so. He's been invited. He's been asked to speak into this situation. So if your boss or your teacher or your superior or your spouse invites your input, maybe just make sure, are you sure? Like, I'm, do you mind if I speak the truth? And then, and then do so with love. Do so with kindness. Do so in a way that's going to build the other person up, not step on them to push yourself up. You never want to do that because the goal is always to help others win. We talked about that way back in chapter one. You want others to win. And then you want to help them meet Jesus along the way. So this Daniel, he's just an amazing mentor for us. And he handled this situation so much better than I think I could have ever done. He told the truth. He didn't use the truth to beat anybody up. He didn't care about getting the credit. It was his good reputation that got him called up to speak in the first place. Pretty awesome guy. There's an afterthought that I just want to mention as well. Let's call this a PS. PS, don't get too attached to title or position. Don't get attached to title or position. Verse 29 says it this way. At Belshazzar's command, Daniel was dressed in purple robes, a gold chain hung around his neck, big letter D, and he was proclaimed the third highest ruler in the kingdom. Actually, it said 3D on his chain, gold chain. (laughs) That very night, Belshazzar, the Babylonian, was killed and Darius the Mede took over the kingdom at the age of 62. Even though he'd rejected the offer of all those rewards, he was given them anyway. Which is just amazing. It's so impressive, isn't it? For one night. For one 
night. He wakes up the next morning. Oh, I can't even sell this. It's not even worth anything. Right? He'd been the highest. He'd been pushed to the highest civilian position for one night. Positions and titles don't last. Don't cling to that because they don't last. It wasn't the first time Daniel had been promoted. It actually wouldn't be the last time Daniel would be promoted. Daniel was not impressed by position and by title, even though it's an easy thing to fall into. People in uniform have told me they call it being badge heavy. You know, you wear the name tag like it's made of solid gold. Well, I'm this. I'm the CEO. I'm the captain. I'm the director. I'm the manager. I'm the supervisor, right? Maybe you've seen it in the workplace. Maybe you had a coworker who got promoted. And, you know, before that, they were pretty cool, easy to work with. And then they just turn into an absolute jerk the moment they get into a position of authority or power. Right? So it's just, just add something to their name tag. It's just like, well, now, you know, you should all just listen to me. Don't get so attached to that. It doesn't matter. Your position is not who you are. Your title is not who you are. It doesn't matter. For example, around here, people often call me Pastor Brian or just Pastor. And the kids like PB. That's fine. I get it. I'm not bothered by that, really. But my name, my actual name is Brian. And I kind of prefer to be called by my name, just as you do. And, and uh, I don't need that title to somehow elevate me or puff me up. I'm a child of God. I'm loved by the Father. I have purpose and worth and value because He says that I have purpose and worth and value. And He's given me a task to lead and to serve and to shepherd as best as I can. But if the title fell off tomorrow, I wouldn't lose my value. I wouldn't lose my worth. I I wouldn't lose, you know, any um, identity, which is my identity as a child of God. That's what matters. That's the important piece. Don't cling to titles and positions. Temporary. When you're given a task in church or at school or at work, and now they call you Mr. or Mrs. or Sir, Ma'am or Boss or Chief or whatever the title is, right? That's great. But don't let it get to your head. Titles come and go. Positions rise and fall. Get attached instead to your Heavenly Father. Because you are already of infinite value. To him. If you don't believe that right now, I just got to say it again. You are of infinite value to your heavenly Father. He's the one that sees your worth and value. He sees everything about you and loves you. It's why we have in, in Scripture, we're told that while we were sinners, while we were at our place of greatest worthlessness, our greatest damage, while we were in that place, what happened? Christ died for us. God, it says, God showed His love in this, that while we were still sinners, didn't earn it, didn't even deserve it. And in that place, that's when God says, I love you enough to give my very Son for you. Sacrificed on the cross. That exchange we sometimes talk about here where all your sin your shame, your condemnation, your embarrassments, all that, you bring that to Him. In exchange, He gives you new life. That's what we call good 
news. I'm thankful for that. You could never earn it. You can't pay it back either. It's not given on credit. Daniel continues to mentor us really well. If you're forgotten or overlooked or mistreated, Daniel teaches us how to respond with grace, with kindness, with truth, knowing that a good reputation is going to hold its value. It doesn't matter who gets the credit. But when invited, we're going to speak the truth. Let's pray together. God, as we do every week, we thank you that you've preserved this account for us. You've embedded in this principles and lessons and stories that are going to help us, that we can learn from. We thank you that it's, it's even entertaining. It's fun to read. It's exciting. But more than anything, it demonstrates for us your great sovereignty, your great power, and your great unending love. God, I ask that we would grasp that more and more. And Lord, for those of us that are struggling with feeling ignored or overlooked or unappreciated, God, would we somehow be able to hear in a fresh way your affirming words, well done, good and faithful servant. In church, for those, maybe you're in a place right now where you have just, you've just let it slide, you've just kind of disengaged. I want you to know that God loves you and He sees your worth and value. He invites you to step in, to lean into Him and lean into all the good things He has for you. Make it more important to cling to Him than to cling to recognition, fame, position, or title. God, You love us so much. You're so patient with us. Your grace is so abundant for us. And we thank you. We give you our praise. Pray these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.